Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.55 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 8th of April, 2021, and this is episode 397 of Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. No, the whole show is not going to be about the Lightning Network, but we are going to start that way. We're going to start this one with, oddly enough, a mainstream media normie publication, theindependent.co.uk. Right, they're talking about Bitcoin Lightning Network now in mainstream media. Thank God. About damn time. Uh, Bitcoin Lightning Network cryptocurrency could finally become day-to-day currency as network doubles. Nice. Anthony Cuthbertson is writing this one for The Independent. A network aimed at transforming Bitcoin into a mainstream form of payment has doubled in size over the last year, new data has revealed. The Lightning Network now has more than 10,000 nodes after major cryptocurrency exchanges and payment apps adopted the technology. Bitcoin was originally conceived as a new form of currency, having been described as a peer-to-peer electronic cash system in the 2008 white paper written by the pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto. However, limitations to Bitcoin's underlying blockchain have led to significant inefficiencies within the network for processing transactions. The Bitcoin scalability problem, as it is known, means that the more the Bitcoin network grows, the more cumbersome it becomes. Each new user makes it increasingly time-consuming and costly to send and receive payments. Oh God, here it comes. To the point that buying something small, like a coffee, can come, God, y'all, can come with a fee that is higher than the cost of the drink itself. Various solutions have been proposed, including forking Bitcoin's blockchain to create a brand new cryptocurrency in the form of Bcash. None of Bitcoin's rivals match its mainstream recognition, however, which is why some people within the Bitcoin industry have championed the use of Lightning Network to make the cryptocurrency a viable form of payment. Let me stop right there. That is incorrect. That is not why the Lightning Network was done. It wasn't because Bcash, you know, basically fell into the black hole of not anybody giving a shit about it. Lightning Network was proposed three years ago, and it was done all on its own. It has nothing to do with the forks of Bitcoin. We all knew there were scaling problems. The very first reply Satoshi Nakamoto got when he released the white paper was, this is interesting, but it can't scale. Satoshi Nakamoto knew that. He knew it, or she, or they, or whatever. They knew it couldn't scale to payments. It all depends on what your definition of cash is, I suppose. But the early, the early, early, early OGs like Roger Ver misinterpreted everything and thought that they were always going to be able to pay for coffee for free with Bitcoin. And I, I, I just don't understand where they got that, but that's, 
this is wrong. That's not why the Lightning Network was done. The Lightning Network was done because there was already knowledge, it was already knowledgeable, or everybody was already knowledgeable about the fact that this shit wasn't going to scale to be able to pay for coffee. That's why the Lightning Network was done. It wasn't it had nothing to do with the forks, okay, guys? So continuing, it works by routing payments through a separate peer-to-peer -peer system that is built on top of the primary layer, therefore reducing the burden on the main network. It decreases transaction times from minutes or hours to just a fraction of a second while simultaneously eliminating any fees. I'm gonna pause right there. Stop it. It doesn't eliminate any fee. Right now, the fees are incredibly low. Those fees will rise but they, I don't think that they will rise as fast and as ominously as the main chain fees. But when they do rise to a point that somebody starts to bitch, that's where third layer comes in, okay? We scale on layers. That's the way it's done. One of the earliest adopters of the Lightning Network was the cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex, <clears throat> which used it to enable fast deposits and withdraw from its platform. Over the last year, crypto exchanges Kraken, Coin Corner, and OKCoin have all integrated the Lightning Network into their systems. Quote, we are seeing genuine adoption of this amazing technology, Paolo Arduino, Chief Technology Officer at Bitfinex, told The Independent. Quote, if you look back at 2017, the capacity of the network was nowhere near what it is now. Layering solutions are now boosting levels of scalability on both Bitcoin and Ethereum. Oh, God. Bitfinex processed 12,000 transactions on the Lightning Network in February alone. Data from Bitcoin Visuals shows the number of Lightning Network nodes rose from 4,000 to 5,000 between April 2019 to April 2020 before shooting to above 10,000 this month. <clears throat> but scalability is only one obstacle preventing Bitcoin from being used as a day-to-day -day currency. Another is scarcity. Nakamoto designed Bitcoin so that only 21 million would ever exist which avoids inflationary issues facing traditional fiat bullshit currencies. This inbuilt scarcity has attracted major investors in recent months who prefer or refer to it as digital gold. Massive investments from companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have contributed to Bitcoin's remarkable rally over the last year, which has seen the price rise from around $6,000 to $60,000. And now here we are back down to 56 or 56 and change. The investments have effectively removed these Bitcoin from circulation and created a liquidity crisis. Figures from market intelligence firm Glassnode suggest that there are only around 4.2 million Bitcoin in constant circulation that are available for everyday use. Quote, around 78% of the circulating Bitcoin supply is considered illiquid. Currently, we are at a stage in which the illiquid supply is growing more than the total circulating supply, a research note from December 2020 warned, quote, as Bitcoin <clears throat> continues to become more and more a store of value and investors increasingly make use of it as a safe haven asset to store wealth, the actual liquid Bitcoin supply can be expected to be considerably lower, end quote. Yeah, supply crunch is coming, but it's not illiquid. As you see, if... Anybody who actually watches the order book on, I don't know, Crypto Watch or, or uh, oh God, what's the other one? Whatever. Uh, in, in, any market viewer, and you're looking at the order book, this shit is incredibly liquid. Even out of that 4.2 million that's only in circulation and everything else is locked up, this shit is spinning around like, like my head. I mean, if it was so, if it was so illiquid, the supply crunch would be way, way, way more evident. But it's not illiquid. 
at least not right now. I don't know what, what will happen, but what's interesting to note is that the Lightning Network as it stands has locked up some of that liquidity from the main chain and turned it into free flow on the Lightning Network. <clears throat> now, any of you guys that have listened to me rant a couple of times about uh, Ring of Fire, um, let me see if I can pull this dude up while I talk, and it's probably going to be freaking impossible. Uh, I've got way too much stuff that I've that I've done here. Um, I'm going to give you a name if I can find it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm probably not going to be able to find it. Nope, nope. Can't find it. It's... Uh, I'll try to put it in the uh, show notes, okay? This guy's name that you can... Don't DM him, all right? Just, you know, just put his name in a tweet and say, help me get to the ring of fire. Because I put in... <clears throat> I, like, had uh, a couple of tweets that went to the Telegram group, and people are telling me that somehow or another they can't see anything. And I'm pretty sure the group is still by invite only, but I was thinking because the link was made public... I was thinking that, you know, you'd be able to view the Telegram group even if you couldn't like reply or respond. This just shows that, I, dude, I don't Telegram very well. In fact, I suck at Telegram. If you've ever seen the ser YouTube series, I, you suck at Photoshop. If you haven't seen that, you need to go YouTube, search in the YouTube uh, search bar for you suck at Photoshop and be prepared to laugh until you hurt. It's fucking hilarious. But in the same vein, I suck at Telegram, okay? I, I don't use it that often. I've been using it a lot for Ring of Fire. But anyway, Ring of Fire is, <clears throat> is basically a set, of, a set of groups of nodes that are coming together with equal amounts of liquidity, and they connect to each other at those amounts. So there's a 10 million sat ring. So as a, if, I had, if I was a member of that 10 million sat ring, I would open a 10 million Satoshi channel to the next person and they would open a 10 million Satoshi ring to the next person and on and on until a certain amount of people that have been basically locked into that group until that ring is closed, right? That then we keep adding people. And I think, I don't know, the, the 10 million ring isn't being done yet. It's, it's, in, it's in the works. I'm, I'm thinking the 1 million ring is supposed to start opening channels to each other this Sunday. But those rings, <clears throat> the 10 million ring, every one, every, every, not every one of the nodes, but every couple of those nodes connects to one of the nodes in the $4 million or the 4 million Satoshi ring. And that connects those two rings together. And then the 4 million has outbounds to the 1 million Satoshi ring so that now there's liquidity flowing around the 10 million ring into the 4 million ring and then back again and then to the 1 million uh, Satoshi ring back to the 4 but it also connects to the 10 it just ends up being what what somebody termed it in the uh, group called they called it a super node a super lightning network node and i i don't see anything wrong with with that euphemism honestly but anyway <clears throat> I'll try to get the dudes one of the a couple of the guys' names from that group so that that you can contact them directly. But like I said, don't DM them. Just throw out a tweet and say if you're interested in the Ring of Fire, tweet them and say how can I participate because the room is turning into a classroom, not by design, but sort of is just the way things are are working out. 
learn how to be a node operator is what I told you yesterday. Well, this is where you go learn how to be a node operator. You can ask the dumbest questions that you want. If you don't understand anything about Lightning, this is the place to freaking go to figure out what the hell's going on with Lightning. How to open node or open channels, how to run a node, uh, how to balance channels, uh, what is inbound liquidity versus outbound liquidity. What's the fee policy? What, how do you change? I had to ask yesterday in the group, how do I even find my fee policy in Thunderhub or ride the lightning? You know, I didn't know because I'm, I'm not a competent lightning network node operator, but that's going to change. I got to be, I feel it's going to be necessary to be a competent lightning network node operator. Therefore, that's why I'm hanging out with the Ring of Fire guys. And I will try to get you sometime today the names of those individuals that you can contact if you are interested. Okay. Now, crypto whale watching could become a thing at Ukrainian town council meetings. What the hell does that mean? Well, I suppose Anna Betakova is going to tell us about it from Coindesk. Ukrainian public officials reported owning, get this, 46,351 Bitcoin or $2.67 billion at Wednesday's price, according to the report by a local data analytics service, Open Data Bot. Dude, you, Ukraine. Ukraine owns like almost half, actually a little over half of what um, uh, MicroStrategy owns at 91,000 Bitcoin. 46,000 is nothing to sneeze at, okay? Civil servants in Ukraine must declare all the property they own or use, and some chose to include crypto in their declarations. Although the country currently is not regulating digital assets, a draft bill establishing the legal status of cryptocurrencies is still awaiting passage by the Ukrainian National Par Parliament. Still, out of 791,872 public officials who submitted their 2020 declarations in March, 652 reported owning Bitcoin, Open Databot said. Most crypto holders are members of city councils, followed by the staff of the National Police, Ministry of Defense, and the General Prosecutor's Office, the service reported. Members of the National Parliament, Verkona Rada, accounted for only 3.7% of high-ranking crypto holders. The most crypto-rich civil servant in Ukraine, at least officially, is Vyacheslav Mishalov, a member of the Nipro City Council. Mishalov reported owning 18,000 Bitcoin worth more than $1 billion US for the second year in a row. He was followed by Petro Lensky, first secretary of Ukraine's embassy in Vietnam with 6,528 BTC in his vault. After him came Alexander Urbanski, deputy chairman of the Odessa Regional Council, who got a trove of 5,328 BTC. The number of Ukrainian public officials investing in crypto is growing, <clears throat> Open Databot said. While in 2018, only 71 officials owned cryptocurrency, in 2019, that number had grown to 424. And in 2020, 500 or 653 officials reported owning crypto. Most people reported owning Bitcoin, while other reported uh, uh, <clears throat> owning uh, really shitty bags. Watching the whales of large crypto holders may become a new sport for Ukraine. Coindesk previously wrote about a 19-year-old city council member in the Ukrainian town of Kropotkin, who is not only the youngest lawmaker in a city, but is also a Monero whale who owns millions of dollars worth of XMR. <clears throat> Ukraine is the world's leader in cryptocurrency adoption by its population. 
<laughs> using crypto for their various needs and according to chain analysis. Wow, I had no idea Ukraine was that knee deep <clears throat> into, into Bitcoin. That's really surprising. But remember, I've, I've said it before, I don't really give a shit if the West adopts this or not. What I think is more important is Africa, the whole continent, all of Latin America, both Central and South America, and Balkans and places like Ukraine and all like Transylvania, these like smaller, I don't want to call them second world countries because they're not, but they're certainly not the West and they're certainly not, you know, sub-Saharan Africa and all that shit. And they're not Latin America. So they're sort of like in this in-between area. And I think these people are, are, are more important than whether or not London decides to adopt, you know, cryptocurrency as its, you know, major currency. I, I honestly don't give a shit. And, and the reason I don't give a shit is because the chances of that happening are much less than the rest of the world that is in dire straits because you think our inflation is bad. Holy shit. Wait till you go to some of these other places. And maybe some of these other places will get an ATM because CoinMe launches 300 of them in Florida after securing financial license. So 300 Bitcoin ATMs are coming to Florida. Uh, ooh, Sebastian Sinclair writes it for CoinDesk. According to a press release shared with CoinDesk on Wednesday, Bitcoin ATM company CoinMe has expanded to around 300 locations. Residents of Jacksonville, Miami, or Orlando, and Tampa are now able to buy Bitcoin while doing their daily grocery shop via Coins to Cash Converter, Coinstar's kiosks. The kiosks have been placed in select stores, including Winn-Dixie, Fresco y Mas, and Harvey's, among others. Quote, our team has been working with state regulators in an effort to launch CoinMe on Coinstar kiosks throughout the state, said Neil Burquist, co-founder and CEO of CoinMe. Quote, we are thrilled to secure a license to offer a cash on-ramp to purchasing Bitcoin for the residents of Florida. The move is part of Coinstar and CoinMe's partnership, which was formed in 2019, allowing shoppers at select locations to buy Bitcoin for cash. Set up in more than 40 states throughout the United States, the Coinstar change counting machines are located in supermarkets, gas stations, and convenience stores. The machines are used to convert loose change into gift cards or cash or to make a donation to a select charity. The deal is, the deal is mutually beneficial as CoinMe gets to take advantage of Coinstar's kiosk locations while Coinstar can tap into the current crypto craze with the help of CoinMe. Around 25% of all Coinstar's kiosks are now enabled by CoinMe to provide Bitcoin purchases for cash as CoinDesk previously reported. So there you go. And this all plays into uh, Francis Suarez's, uh, I don't know, his integration of Bitcoin into Miami. And now it's spreading to the wider realms of the state of Florida. So Florida man can now participate. However, I do need to note that his uh, recent tweet about him interested in Ethereum and talking to Vitalik to put city services on the fucking blockchain is just about as insane. I mean, it's almost as if it's a pattern now. They announce that they're going to do Bitcoin. They being whoever is famous or quote unquote important or whatever. And then they immediately shitcoin. It's like immediately. I, I don't. If this, my, get wrecked, pal. You, you, you'll figure it out. 
These guys have already figured it out, though. Riot Blockchain to purchase 42,000 ant miners for $138.5 million. Colorado-based Bitcoin mining company Riot Blockchain has announced that contract to purchase 42,000 S19J ant miners from Bitmain for $138.5 million, which will bring its hash rate capacity to an estimated 7.7 exahashes per second. Riot is scheduled to receive about 3,500 S19J ant miners per month starting in November 2021 and continuing through October 2022 as semiconductor chip shortages coupled with rising demand for ASICs have left supply chains across the Bitcoin mining industry strained. The purchase aligns with Riot's strategic goal to increase the company's total hash rate which, once these latest rigs are fully delivered and deployed, will total 81,150 ant miners, 95% of which will be the S19J model. Megan Brooks, chief operations officer at Riot, had the following to say, quote, Riot's existing fleet of miners has already positioned the company as an American leader in Bitcoin mining by nearly doubling its planned hash rate capacity Riot continues to take great strides forward in growing both the company's and the United States' share of the global network hash rate. We are proud of this accomplishment and remain focused on continuing to evaluate additional opportunities in the space. Now, if you guys are like going, getting real sad because, shit, I'm never going to be able to mine, you got to think of it in a different state from a different standpoint. <clears throat> it's not how much exahashes you have, or, you know, ex yeah, exahashes you have. Right, is how many, how much percent of the exahash ecosystem do you possess? Because let's say, you know, it's like a, let's let's say you've got one percent of exahashes, right, of the the entire network, and then somebody, you know, a whole bunch of other people knock that back down to where you're at, sitting at 0.8 percent. It becomes easy to calculate what you've got to do to get to 1%. So if you think about owning the percentage of exahashes in the Bitcoin mining ecosystem, it's a little bit easier to wrap your head around, how can I start mining? And is it going to be worth it? As long as you've got, as long as your numbers work out to where whatever percent of the Bitcoin mining ecosystem that, you, that you're contributing, if you work the numbers from there and those numbers work, then as long as you keep it there, it doesn't matter what difficulty does. The only problem is with the addition of all these miners, your two problems are, can you get more miners to maintain your foothold in the mining exahash percentage ecosystem? And how much is it going to cost you to do that? And if you don't have free float cash to be able to do that, you have a problem. And even if you do, can you get the miners? Because ASICs are in short supply. We'll have to see what what all this what all this will bring in the future, but <clears throat> I still kind of don't worry about you know smaller mining operations being able to turn a profit if you can find energy that is either ridiculously cheap or 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 free, and then all you have to worry about is capital expenditure. So you know take it what take it for what you will. As long as you're not using fee stablecoin, you'll probably be okay because their rocky start is a wake-up call for DeFi investors. As coming out of CoinDesk, Brady Dale tells us, the $1 billion fee protocol stablecoin project has gotten off to a very rocky start. The most important data point is this. It was built to maintain a one-to-one -one peg with the U.S. dollar, but it hasn't hit the mark over this, its first week of its existence. 
backed by major VCs. Fee aimed to create a stablecoin project that would outright buy assets with its token rather than holding them as collateral for loans. It appears the team underestimated the demand it would see to participate in the launch. It also seems clear that many of those who jumped into the project didn't understand Fee's direct incentive method for stabilizing the price. Fee's struggles shows that the launch of a new decentralized decentralized finance protocol is not a sure path to easy money, despite what many individual investors may have come to assume. The episode could be the tipping point where retail investors realize that they have to be more judicious about hopping in, perhaps erring on the side of longer term aims rather than the quick buck. For the first few days, uh, Fee danced around a nickel to a dime off of its target since yesterday. It has tanked hard now almost a quarter off of its goal of $1. <clears throat> right now, the outstanding question is whether fee, as we know it will persist, it's a stable coin that's much too volatile. Stable coins have proved to be very valuable, in particular to crypto traders. They allow traders to ex- exit quickly from short-term trades and lock in gains with an asset whose price won't move. The most successful stablecoins thus far have relied on the U.S. dollar, and obviously crypto's true believers want to escape fiat. Fee's main technique for maintaining the peg to the dollar not only hasn't worked, each time it kicks in, it briefly makes matters worse. The situation underscores just how difficult it is to make a purely algorithmic stablecoin something of a persistent albatross for cryptocurrency entrepreneurs especially excited about the idea of programmable money. I'm going to stop right there. The rest of the article is really long, but I wanted to get into what was going on with fee because the idea of an algorithmic stablecoin seems like something that should exist somehow or another through Bitcoin. I don't need a shit coin like fee to do this and they're clearly not doing it right. However, the idea of a persistent, you know, a persistently valued stablecoin that is done through a, 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 a purely algorithmic method, I don't know. That actually seems like it might be important for the future. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go off into shit coinery. However, like, you know, the, the very best of the things that are coming out <clears throat> of the shit coin markets, some of the ideas are pretty good. Some, I mean, when I mean some, I'm talking like maybe a handful. And this actually seems like an actual decent idea, but it doesn't need to exist on a shit coin. This is something that could very well be done as a layer three on, you know, on Bitcoin or lay, or even a layer two, something that the, you know, the liquid sidechain project could probably adopt and, and turn in if they got, if they get a way to get a purely algorithmic stable coin to actually work, I don't need fee. It could just be done on liquid or something like that. It seems important. I may be completely off, <clears throat> but stable coins are not going to go away. All right. That's, that's the whole point that I'm getting at is that if you got to do it, maybe an algorithmic way that doesn't depend on shitty fiat currency that's being inflated hand over fist would be a better way to do it. But apparently fee screwed up and they're completely unable to keep their peg. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, by the way. Now, this guy, Peter Thiel. I don't know what this dude's up to. Some people are, are, are saying that he's doing 4D chess. I hate that because it always reminds me of Craig Wright and how everybody says, oh, dude, he's playing 4D chess with you, man. He's going to crush you. Yeah, I'm still waiting for him to get back from the gym. Peter Thiel, 
Bitcoin could be Chinese financial weapon. Uh, Jeff Benson is going to tell us about it from Decrypt. PayPal co-founder and uh, venture capitalist Peter Thiel, speaking at a virtual event for the conservative Nixon seminar on Wednesday, opined on whether China is poised to win a financial arms race, uh, raise with a uh, race with the United States. The weapon, he says, is Bitcoin. You know, see right there, I don't know if he's playing 4D chess or or linking Bitcoin directly to China to give it a bad name. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at right there. Quote. Even though I'm sort of pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist, I do wonder if at this point, Bitcoin should also be thought of in part as a Chinese financial weapon against the United States where it threatens fiat money, but it especially threatens the U.S. dollar, end quote. The question Thiel was ostensibly answering wasn't about Bitcoin per se, but about China's plan to create a digital yuan. Moderator Hugh Hewitt <clears throat> wanted to know if the digital yuan is a threat to the dollar and its dominance of, of world markets. Thiel's view is that it isn't. He dismissed the coin, which would be issued by China's central bank, as some sort of totalitarian measuring device. Now, that I agree with. The real concern, Thiel said, is Bitcoin because it's more likely to serve as a functional reserve currency. The less dominant the dollar is, the less affected it is by American monetary and foreign policy. Quote, if China's long Bitcoin, then perhaps from a geopolitical perspective, the United States should be asking some tougher questions about exactly how it works. The seminar, titled Big Tech in China, What Do We Need from Silicon Valley, also included former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien. Pompeo agreed that a digital yuan has a huge impact for China's surveillance capacity, though he seems seemed to assert that such a coin itself would allow it to make cross-border transactions that could skirt U.S. sanctions. Quote, they want to make sure that when Secretary Pompeo issues sanctions against the Iranian leadership, that there is a way to purchase Iranian oil, <clears throat> end quote. Thiel, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> Thiel has invested in multiple crypto ventures, including Bitcoin mining company Layer One Technologies and blockchain development platform Alchemy. So I don't know. I mean, his him connecting Bitcoin to the Chinese Communist Party pisses me straight off. Is it 4D chess? I don't know. But even if he is playing 4D chess, it. I mean, he's Peter Thiel. I mean, he's not God of the world. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's rich as shit. Does he have influence? Of course. But how much influence does he actually think he has? What's he going to do? Open his mouth at the Nixon summit or whatever it's called. And all of a sudden, President Biden calls him up and says, tell me how to Bitcoin, bro. It's going to take a lot more than Peter Thiel, right? And the fact that he linked Bitcoin to the Chinese Communist Party and, you know, basically used the term weaponized and all that. I don't think he did us any favors, but that's just my opinion. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids are down. Shiny metal rocks are up. I think we can end it there. No, it's not. Oil. West Texas Intermediate down 0.85% to $59.26. Brent North Seas down half a point to $62.80. Natural gas is low, uh, 1.19 to the downside. It is coming in at $2.50 for a thousand cubic feet of that. As I said, all the shiny metal rocks are up. 
Gold is up 0.41 to $1,748.90. Silver is up 0.71, $25.42. Platinum up a third. Copper is up uh, three quarters. And palladium is basically flat at $2,622. Okay. Dow futures are down 0.2%. S&P futures are up 0.3. NASDAQ futures are up 0.8. And the S&P mini is up almost a half. All of the bond yields are up. Like the 30-year futures is up 0.04%. 10 years up 0.05 and such and such and such. So yeah, I don't know, man. The whole market seems like it's in a mess. Nobody really knows what the hell's going on, and everybody wants to see your vaccine passport. Fuck it. Let's talk about real money. 56689 is the price that I'm getting off of BitInfo charts. Do I even have a? I think that's probably my low. No, it's not. Hit BTC showing a low at uh, 56682 and it looks like I got a high over at uh, Bitfinex, 56,728. Not a lot of room. 309 transactions performed, 309,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 13,000 transactions on average per hour. 598,500 BTC were sent in that period. 24,935 BTC are being sent on average every hour. 1.94 BTC is the average transaction value. And your median transaction value for this morning is 0.017 BTC, which is just under $1,000. Block times are hideously low again, 9 minutes and 7 seconds. 0.62 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and almost 100 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hour period. With almost a 10% jump, oh, go, here we go, with 10% jump in hash rate, we have hit an all time high, 180.3 exahashes per second. That's a lot of hash, bro. Uh, your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, which is, God, 6.1 United States pennies. It's not worth that. Okay. So that's why, that's why I use it as the index now, instead of going through all the shitcoin prices, all you need to look at is Doge to see the stupidity in the altcoin market. I guess, I guess the idiots got their, their alt season. I, you know, I, I hate to admit it because we never, you know, we never wanted to see alt season again, but with Doge at six pennies, I think we got an alt season on our hand. I don't really give a shit. It's all stupid. <clears throat> We have a market capitalization of $1.06 trillion. That is 9.32% of gold's market cap and 32.3 ounces is what one Bitcoin will buy you in terms of gold. There is 18,676,873.83 BTC in circulation right now at a price of 56,550 according to Clark Moody's dashboard. 1,197 BTC are in the Lightning Network with a capacity of 67.7 million and a total number of nodes of 10,457 with 42,100, good God, 42,142 open channels. We have 56.9% of the Lightning Network being run over Tor with a total capacity of 680.54 BTC. And the number of tour nodes that we know about is 4,630. And that's going to do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Caruso Properties to Accept Bitcoin for Rent allocates 1% of treasury to assets. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, Coindesk, uh, Colin Harper's writing this one. <clears throat> California real estate stalwart Caruso Properties will now accept Bitcoin for rent on all of its properties. In a partnership with Gemini Exchange, Caruso will now let tenants of its retail and commercial properties pay their rent in Bitcoin. This makes Caruso the largest real estate manager in the United States to accept the digital asset as a form of payment. Additionally, Caruso has allocated roughly 1% of its treasury into Bitcoin, according to the LA Times. Caruso's crypto ambitions may not end at Bitcoin. No, they never do. They start there and then they immediately fucking shitcoin. But a press release shared with Coindesk signals interest in other aspects of the crypto economy as well. You guessed it like the hottest segment of the market right now, NFTs. Quote, this partnership marks the beginning of a holistic long-term relationship intended to bring cryptocurrency, non-fungible tokens, and blockchain applications to Caruso properties as a way to engage the millions of visitors throughout their ecosystem. The release reads, Bitcoin continues to make its way onto the balance sheet of prominent firms in the United States, a trend that MicroStrategy kicked off last year when it converted most of its cash holdings into Bitcoin. Since then, Square, Tesla, and other publicly traded companies have added Bitcoin to their balance sheets as, as well. So Caruso Properties, welcome to Bitcoin. I'm sorry that you have immediately decided to go into shitcoinery. <clears throat> again, the pattern repeats itself. And it's going to do that again and again and again. They will announce with Bitcoin to get the attention of the public, and they will immediately start shitcoining. It's almost uh, the only person that hasn't done that yet is Tesla or person. The only companies that haven't done that yet is MicroStrategy and Tesla and maybe like, I don't know, a couple others. But the trend is real. So be prepared to always groan after you read the first bit of good news and then immediately find out after that they've gone direct into shit coinery. Whatever. Italian man is arrested for paying Bitcoin to Hitman to kill his girlfriend. Hit me, Darius Z, BTC Times. An Italian citizen was arrested after allegedly hiring a hitman in exchange for Bitcoin, according to a news article published by European policing entity Europol. On April the 7th, Europol assisted Italian communications crime law enforcement Polizia Postale de, 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 jointly arrested a local citizen suspected of paying about 10,000 euros worth of Bitcoin, uh, which is about $12,000 at press time in USD to a deep web hitman to kill his ex-girlfriend. Europol reportedly carried out an urgent analysis of the transactions involved to trace the coins and identify the crypto asset service provider from which the suspect had acquired the funds. The company that sold the assets confirmed the information provided by uh, the investigators and offered more information about the suspected man. The report states that the timely investigation had prevented any harm against the potential victim. This is not the first major Europol investigation that involves Bitcoin. In October of last year, the law enforcement organization made it very clear that it is that it aimed to take better control of crypto assets and voiced concerns over so-called mixers. Here we go. Furthermore, the Europol also participated in the shutdown of the infamous deep web market Silk Road with the FBI in tow. So why? I mean, it's like, am I giving Bitcoin a bad name? No. I'm not. Is this FUD? No, it's not. What does this prove? Bitcoin is money. I, I, this is the dark side of, of, of life, people. 
you can't all be roses and, and, and rainbow farting unicorns. There's a, there's a, an ugly side to this entire existence. Yes. People are, are, people are out there that are just horrible people and they do horrible things to other people, but they ain't going to do them unless there's some kind of monetary gain. And in this case, that monetary gain was in terms of Bitcoin, not euros, not United States dollars, but straight up Bitcoin. So what does that mean? Dude, if your drug dealer doesn't take Bitcoin for drugs, then Bitcoin is not money. If your street hooker doesn't take your Bitcoin as money, then it's not money, right? It, this goes for the USD. If I were to try to pay, a, like let's say a Venezuelan, I don't know, bodega possibly in, our, you know, in, in, in the local currency, it's a good bet that they would rather have dollars you know that that makes the 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 Venezuelan uh, the Venezuelan currency damn near worthless. I mean, it's damn near worthless anyway. But if it, if nobody even wants it, then it's not even money. In this particular case, this proves that Bitcoin is money. It just proves it through a darker set of lenses. And I'm you know I'm I'm just saying this shit happens. My wife has been watching the forensic files, and oh my god, it, you know what the most case of poisonings are you know involve it, the, or the, the, the the best chance of you getting poisoned is being married and having an insurance policy on your life. Apparently, I'm talking 50% of the forensic files are all about a spouse poisoning the other spouse because the other spouse has a life insurance policy that they're a beneficiary of. Just saying, man, there's darkness out there. Try not to be part of it. <clears throat> Rising Bitcoin adoption tide, the best of Bloomberg's latest bullish report, Nathaniel Whitmore puts together this bullet point list uh, for Coindesk. Now, let's see, a new Bloomberg article or uh, report argues Bitcoin is replacing gold more rapidly than expected. So uh, let's see here, Bitcoin, wait, wait, hold on here. Uh, let's see, well, Bloomberg, sorry, I, I got messed up. Bloomberg's latest crypto outlook is out and uh, we're gonna look at these bullet points that they say in the report. Bitcoin as digital reserve asset in a low yield world. There's price support at 50,000, price possibilities of $400,000 this year. And the gold replacement that's happening is happening more quickly than anticipated. The growth in publicly traded companies with crypto exposure is a thing. And the amount of Bitcoin that's coming off of exchanges is in play. And there's a bunch of Bitcoin that's coming off of the exchanges. I think there was 12,000 Bitcoin pulled yesterday from, uh, from Coinbase. Uh, oh, and by the way, the supremacy of USD digital currencies are on the rise. So there's, there's that. So the $400,000 price point is probably the most eye-gripping uh, thing in this particular report, but the report's out of Bloomberg. Not that I trust any of these financial, you know, reporting agencies or, or news sites anymore. I'm starting to, I'm literally starting to uh, come to the conclusion that for the last 20 years, <clears throat> they've been part of manipulating the world's economy just by putting out something that's patently false uh, not owning up to that particular mistake, allowing it to drive the market. And they, I think they just do that shit on purpose. So you got to take what Bloomberg says with a grain of salt, but $400,000 would be cool as shit, man. 
that would be really interesting. However, we seem to never be able to get out of this. We're, we're never going to get out of the 50s. We are destined to wear poodle skirts and, and, and drive old cars like they do in Cuba forever and ever and ever. Crypto mining firm Hut8 seeks $400 million raise in their latest offering. This is out of Coindesk, written by Sebastian Sinclair. Public Canadian crypto mining company Hut8 is looking to raise uh, $500 million Canadian, which is $396.6 million in USD. <clears throat> According to the short form prospectus filed by the company on April the 7th, the offering is expected to be conducted on the Toronto Stock Exchange. The securities are to be delivered in the form of common shares, debt securities, subscription receipts, warrants, and convertibles. They will be offered together as a unit or any combination thereof, uh, having an initial offer price of up to $500 million, according to the prospectus. Given the company had negative cash flow from operating activities for the year ending December 31st, 2020, HUD-8 said, should it have negative cash flow in any future period, some of the proceeds from the offering could be used to fund the negative cash flow. That doesn't sound good, honestly. Last year, the mining company sought $7.5 million Canadian to upgrade its fleet of black box Bitcoin miners. The company also announced $11.8 million in financing for 5,400 machines from MicroBT in January. So Canadian firm HUD-8 is starting to blow up. <clears throat> Still don't like that negative, uh, that negative aspect there, but you, it is what it is. Because miners are, miners are hoarding Bitcoin from record daily earnings, Samuel Haig tells us out of Cointelegraph. Bitcoin miners are stashing away their coins for higher prices with direct transfers from miners to exchanges plummeting nearly 40% since mid-March. Data from on-chain analytics provider Glassnode shows that miners' uh, BTC balances have been increasing since late March, following heavy outflows throughout January and consistently reduced selling during February and earlier in March. Glassnode CTO Raphael Schultz-Kraft notes several metrics pointing to recent miner accumulation following or including flows from miner addresses, unspent BTC supply, and miner position net change. Glassnode's data shows that unspent supply, BTC, that has never been transferred from the miner's original recipient address has begun to rise after seeing a sharp drop in January when 15,000 previously dormant coins were moved from mining addresses for the very first time. Since February, roughly 5,000 newly minted BTC have been added to Bitcoin's unspent supply, bringing the total up to 1.765 million Bitcoin. Direct transfers from miner wallets to exchanges have also dropped substantially in recent weeks, falling from a 30-day moving average of nearly 450 BTC in mid-March to 275 BTC today. Schultz Kraft described Bitcoin mining as showing great fundamentals, noting a new all-time high for daily hash rate of 178 exahashes per second on April the 6th and new record highs for Bitcoin mining difficulty. <clears throat> He also shared data showing that minor revenues are up by 300% in roughly one year, pushing into all, new all-time highs above 50 million to currently sit at a seven-day moving average of nearly $60 million. Quote, miners have little or no incentives to be cashing out right now, he concluded, adding selling or capitulation is not in sight. 
the apparent propensity of Bitcoin miners can be, oh, sorry, the propensity, the apparent prosperity of Bitcoin miners can be seen in the share performance of North America's listed mining firms with recent analysis finding the stocks of the four largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies gained 5,000% in 12 months, while the spot BTC prices went up 900% over the same period. Good Lord, have mercy, man. Oh, good God. More Russians. Yep, Russians in the news again. More Russians are disclosing their cryptocurrency incomes. All right, so, okay, incomes. That's different than just holdings, right? That's different than just possession. We're talking straight up income. I hope Helen Parts, writing for Cointelegraph, didn't misuse that term here. Let's find out if people are getting jobs in Russia for Bitcoin. The number of cryptocurrency holding disclosures in Russia has been on the rise over the past several months, according to a new report. Russian news agency Itzetsa reports Thursday that Russians have been increasingly disclosing their income from crypto trading. Okay, from trading for tax purposes. Ah, shit. Oh, well. The report cites data from consulting and law firms such as KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers, FTL Advisors, as well as Moscow-based public policy think tank, the Center for Strategic Research. Quote, we've observed that Russian residents have started voluntarily disclosing income from operations with digital assets, mainly with cryptocurrency and tax declarations, FTL Advisors partner Maria Kukla said. She noted that it's still early to determine whether the tendency will become widespread. The currency tax reporting period ends on May 1st, and per Kukla, much could change before then. Evgeny Sisavukov Director of PwC Russia's Division of Individual Taxation said that interest in disclosing crypto holdings has increased during the ongoing tax declaration period. According to Sivasuskov, the new trend was fueled by the adoption of Russia's crypto law, quote, on digital finance assets, end quote, as well as the increased focus of tax authorities and compliance services on the origin of income in Russia's foreign assets. FTL advisors did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comment. PwC Russia declined to comment as well. The report surge or the reported surge in the number of crypto tax filings comes despite Russia not having officially enforced any dedicated legislation related to cryptocurrency taxation. However, according to Izvestia's sources, the Federal Taxation Service of Russia says that the procedure of crypto income taxation by individuals is formally described as, in, uh, as part of a letter by the Ministry of Finance issued in May of 2018. According to that letter, the tax base from crypto trading is defined in Russian rubles as the excess of total income amount received by taxpayers from the sale of cryptocurrency over the total amount of documented expenses for its acquisition, so capital gains. <clears throat> Russia is progressing with new proposed legislation that would require Russian residents to pay income tax from cryptocurrency trading. The bill, which was approved by the state Duma in the first reading in February, required residents to report crypto transactions if their total amount exceeds 600 rubles or $7,800 US on an annual basis. So without even really, this is voluntary. I mean, that, that's actually kind of important because there's no real actual 
you got to do that. There's not even really a, 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 you know, a whole lot of ways that, that Rush has made it available in their tax documentation to be able to clearly define this. And yet here we have Russian nationals living in Russia, voluntarily declaring their crypto. Eh, I hate the word. I know, but they're, you know, they're, they're trading shit coins. I guarantee it. Um, their, you know, income from it. I think that that's actually, I don't know if that's good news or not. I think it is. I'm going to go ahead with the positive notion that this is good news because it means that more and more individuals in more and more countries are becoming involved in the space. I don't like the fact that it's obviously shit coinery, but you got to take the bad with the good. And what's, you know, any of this stuff is always good. I mean, everything is good for Bitcoin, right? So we might as well go ahead and let this be good for Bitcoin too. So just saying. SEC is likely to approve an ETF in one to two years, says analyst. Turner Wright tells us more about SEC buffoonery out of Cointelegraph. According to an analyst at CFRA Research, Van Eck, Fidelity Investments and Valkyrie Digital Assets may not see their Bitcoin exchange-traded funds or ETFs approved by U.S. regulators for up to two years. God. In an interview on CNBC's ETF Edge, Edge on Monday, Todd Rosenbluth, head of ETF and mutual fund research at CFRA, told host Bob Paisani that he believed the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, would extend the timeline for consideration of the Bitcoin ETF first pitched by investment management firm Van Eck in January. The SEC officially acknowledged uh, receipt of the Bitcoin ETF application on March the 15th, <clears throat> giving the regulatory body until April 29th to come to a decision or extend the deadline. Quote, we've got a number of firms that have either gone through the filing process or have previously filed but are waiting for more clarity, says Rosenbluth. The SEC is less likely Wait a minute. The SEC is less likely, we think, to try to pick a winner as to who comes first. And I think we're more likely to see them, if they do approve an ETF, to approve multiple Bitcoin-related ETFs. We've got a number of firms that have entered. We think we're likely to see one in the coming year or two, but we don't have a firm time frame as to when the answer would be yes. Why? I don't understand why it's taking so long. Canada has three. Brazil has one. We got zip bupkis. Zip, nada, nothing. And they want to wait another two, one to two years to do this shit? By that time, Canada's going to have 10 ETFs. Brazil's going to have three. And I'll bet we see one in frickin' Venezuela. Because the SEC apparently get paid to just sit on shit. Anyway, Van Eck and Valkyrie both filed a registration with the SEC to form a Bitcoin ETF in January with Fidelity following in March. The regulatory body has offered no indication as to what it will decide, but given its seeming reticence in previously approving a crypto ETF, many experts do not expect a decision soon. The U.S. may not have approved a crypto ETF, but Canadian firms have been leading the way in North America. Toronto-based Purpose Investments launched an ETF in February, and Nine Point Partners is reportedly planning to change its Bitcoin trust offering to an exchange-traded fund as well. Yeah, you better, and so should you, Barry Silbert. Well, actually, Barry Silbert is going to do that. There's no way that you can have a Bitcoin trust anymore, not with the amount of ETFs that are, that are live now. 
And that's why it's so important that the uh, that the United States get one get. I mean, they got eight in the pipe. You just approve one, or 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 two, or something like that. We you got to compete with Canada. You can't let Canada win this, dude. They've already got all the maple syrup strategic supplies. They'll crush us in the next war. My God, people! Both investment fund manager Three IQ and Evolve Funds Group announced that they had filed a prospectus with Canadian regulators for approval to begin trading crypto ETFs. Following the Fidelity filing last month, Rosenblum said it was a question of when, not if, the SEC will approve a Bitcoin ETF. He seemed to be implying on Monday that the approval of even one in the United States could potentially open the floodgates for firms looking to form crypto ETFs. Quote, if they approve someone, they're going to approve all of them, said Paisani. <laughs> Bob. They'll, they won't approve all of them, but they probably will, will approve a handful of them. L- listen, guys, the fact that the U.S. is is so woefully far behind does not bode well for the United States position in the future of the financial, you know, world economy. Not that I, I mean, I'm not all raw, raw flag waving or anything here, but what I am saying is how stupid can you be? All right. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Freddie Mercury, Bruno Mars, and Venus Williams all walk into the bar at the same time, but they didn't plan it. Ah, terrible dad jokes are always good. I've been missing them lately, so my apologies for that, but there's always, there's always room for a groan or two in this show. Um, You know everything that there is to know to start your morning. There's no reason to belabor this, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.